Today's episode of On Shuffle is brought to you by Sonos, particularly the Sonos Beam, the smart, compact sound bar for your TV. Beam lets you fill the room with rich sounds of everything you love, from music and radio to movies, TVs, podcasts, and more. You know, the holidays are coming up, which means that I'm going to put on sweatpants and watch for the millionth time 2001's How the Grinch Stole Christmas with Jim Carrey because it's better than all the other Grinches. I don't care. It's going to sound great and it's going to fill the entire living room because of my Sonos Beam. If you want one of these, and you should, go to Sonos, S-O-N-O-S dot com to learn more and order your Sonos Beam to start your smart home sound system. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of On Shuffle. I'm your host, Micah Peters, a staff writer at The Ringer, and today we've got a jam-packed episode for you. First, we're going to be talking about Eminem's 11-minute freestyle with resident Eminem expert Donnie Kwok. Then we're going to be talking about Jid's new DiCaprio 2 album with Rolling Stones staff writer Charles Holmes. And finally, we're going to be talking about the 1975's new album, A Brief Inquiry into Online Relationships with my colleague Justin Sales. But first, let's get into the Eminem Freestyle. Rally your troops, try to boost the morale Only time I start a movement to bow I can't even give a yeah or a woo When you rap in the booth Not even a nah or a boo Cause even though I'm allergic to the crap that you spew When I'm about to break out I don't mean get a rash from it too On Saturday, like an asteroid The new Eminem freestyle hit the internet It is 11 minutes long Inspired by the battle rap movie Bodied Which my colleague Donnie Kwok wrote about for TheRinger.com. Great website. You should absolutely check that out. And also, Donnie, you're the only person I trust to explain what the hell is happening here. <laughs> are you trying to tell me you weren't, you didn't enjoy the Eminem freestyle? Are you trying to tell me that you did? What the do you Eminem f- kickoff freestyle? <laughs> the the kickoff freestyle, yes, to be specific. I'm uh, referencing the the very awkward kick at the beginning of the video. Um, oh, is that what it is? Yeah. There's Well, no. I mean, like, it's not just... I'm just saying that the kick in the, you have to, guys, you have to watch the video or at least just look on the internet around for the gif of the awkward kick that he does before he starts freestyling because it's absolutely ridiculous. All right, but before we break it down, Mike, I'm going to pose a question to you because I read your tweet and I saw a bunch of people on Twitter mocking Eminem dissing the freestyle, saying it was unnecessary, pointing out cringeworthy lines, etc. In what year would this freestyle have entertained, amused, amazed you? Is there any year for Eminem to have dropped this where people would react positively toward it? I had a brief period in like 2003, four, where I was into watching battle rap videos. Sorry, 2004, five, like. So like 12 to 15 years ago, I guess? Maybe, but 11 minutes sounds freestyle in any of it. Isn't the, like the... The stretch of a Beto freestyle with Jay-Z and Big L, like, isn't that only like nine and a half minutes? I don't think I can sit through a freestyle for 11 minutes. See, but I don't even think it's a matter of time because I think yesterday or today, Meek Mill just dropped a freestyle when he was with Flex and it's like 10 or 11 minutes long. Well, yeah, but that was also, he was rhyming over the back-to-back beat, which is like a a story coming full circle. This arrived out of nowhere, it seemingly. So you think it would have been more tenable or more bearable if it had a beat? 
anything. Yeah, uh, yes, honestly, yes. It was. <laughs> I saw people on Twitter like somebody had put like the Uchiwali beat on it, like kind of finessed a version where it was over a beat. Mm-hmm. I don't think the beat to me is the problem. Like as you mentioned, Eminem dropped this. Uh, I guess he said he was inspired by it because he produced Bodied, which you mentioned. Mm-hmm. The key differentiation point between something like this and actual battle rap is that battle rap has an opponent. Exactly. Like a real a real opponent. And and so, you know, like sex, battle rap needs opponents. It needs a foil. <laughs> it needs somebody else to be to be good. Like sex. <laughs> oh <laughs> Much my goodness. Like sex. But you know, him just kind of rapping to himself, kind of like disemboweling imaginary opponents, it's not as compelling because you need to see I mean that's why Killshot, his MGK disc, which we talked about, I believe, on uh-huh. Shuffle we did. a while ago. That has like over 200 million views. I mean, whether or not it's good, it was at least like necessary and relevant. Whereas this feels totally unnecessary. And in fact, it only has like a few million views. I mean, it's less than a week, but that's pretty low for Eminem. So people are kind of, uh, and I don't know, they probably checked in for like 30 seconds and then checked out. What do you think he was uh, trying to... Uh accomplish with this or do you honestly just think it was just i was inspired so i went on location to this warehouse in detroit that i used to battle rap at to shoot this video uh it's a tough question because we as we all know and we've discussed on and offline before eminem is kind of a weird dude kind of a detached dude i don't think he's really plugged into the new cycle or like i mean he's plugged in to some degree but he's not really in time, I think, with trends and things like that. So so what you're saying is you don't think he's aware of the memes? No, I mean, he's obviously hyper aware of, you know what? I mean, full disclosure here, when I was writing that bodied piece uh, that you referred to, mm-hmm. I actually reached out via, I guess, his PR or Interscope or Shady or whatever to get a quote from Eminem. And their response was, that we had been very uncharitable toward him in the recent past and therefore he was declining to speak. So uh, (laughs) he and his people, and and, you know, you can see it all throughout Kamikaze and even in in this rhyme, he's talking about mainstream media and this and that, like he knows that people have been criticizing him. You know, to take the most possible, because I knew that you didn't like it, and I know most people don't like it, so I tried to listen or watch all 11 minutes with an open mind. And I guess if you take the most charitable view possible, you have to at least begrudgingly admit he's good at rapping still. I mean, right? It's I mean, still a lot of wordplay and triplets and quadruplets. And I mean, like, and, I will absolutely say that it's not something that I'm capable of. Uh, like do, <laughs> like going for 11 minutes straight is, is right. I it's mean, basically like, like watching like somebody eat 80 Big Macs in five minutes. Exactly. Like, that. like, I mean, like it's absolutely, it's a certain kind of impressive. It's just not really the kind of impressive that I'm interested in. When he said, I have to be stomped by 40 men to suffer a defeat, a defeat, yeah. a defeat. Yeah. And then he pointed at his temple. Uh, yeah. I, was that your favorite part? My, aside, What was your favorite part aside from the awkward kick at the beginning? Mine was when he rhymes fallacy two with galaxy, like, like the sound of spit or whatever. Like it was, I, I thought that that was like funny slash maybe even clever. <laughs> I mean, there were more times really cringing for me than enjoying anything. I think maybe my favorite part, because I did make it to the very end, is at the end, he's like, oh, I got an idea for a line. <laughs> and that was kind of like the send-off point, which is um, kind of funny, I guess. Yeah, kind kind of funny. I found it kind of sad, actually, that he had to keep... I mean, obviously, nobody can keep rapping 11 minutes straight without pausing for breath, but there was some kind of pathos 
to me and watching him stop, take a deep breath, walk backwards, and then come back in. You know what it kind of reminded me? Remember when uh, Shia LaBeouf stopped in at that film school in New York and just stood in front of a green screen and yelled for like 15 <laughs> minutes? That's I do. Yeah. Created many gifts and memes. Exactly. I, I feel like this is going to live on for a very long time because of that. Um, well, the thing is, is like one of Eminem's trump cards, no pun intended, I guess, was over the years has been his capacity to shock mm-hmm. people and incite. But I think even that has waned because he's saying some things in here that are clearly objectionable. Clearly in 2018, uh, people should be outraged or offended by, but people aren't even outraged or offended really when he's talking about rape or like roofing people or... It's just kind of know. like the, 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 the flat response to that is you are 46 years old. Totally. Like it, it's, it's it kind of like one of his greatest powers has totally been sapped. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. Uh, Okay. Is there any currently active rapper you would actually be excited for an 11-minute freestyle from? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, like I said, I thought the Meek thing was pretty compelling. I mean, 11 minutes is a long time. I mean, people went crazy when Black Thought went off for 11 minutes. Again, over a beat, but yeah. on the Flex show. Yeah. I mean, like, but he was also rapping so, like, he was rapping so hard he started sweating. It was great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's not really the length to me that's the problem here. I mean, like, I, as an old, do have a longer attention span than most of y'all. So I can like (laughs) sit still and like not look at my phone for 11 minutes. To me, the bigger issue is that there's no purpose to it. And it doesn't, it feels, as you're saying, kind of masturbatory and unnecessary. It just feels kind of tacked on to nothing. Yeah, because even to me, like super hyper lyrical, multi-syllabic rhyming isn't out of style. I mean, what's his name? Tory Lanez just did, did one against Joyner Lucas, which a lot of people liked and I liked. Um, and that's like very intricate and kind of rapidy rapidy. Oh, I mean, like, yeah, we there's we're talking about Jid on this very podcast, who is like very rapidy rapidy. I I, I yeah. don't. I'm not saying that the, that it's not in vogue. It's just I don't know, like empty wheel spinning. Yeah, I mean, it it does seem like maybe the the rap game has passed him by. Have you have you revisited Kamikaze at all since it first came out? You know, I haven't. <laughs> Because I was having a conversation with a friend of mine. I was asking him what he thought some underrated albums were for 2018. Another post we did on the ringer.com, great website, uh, most underrated rap albums. And he said, you know what? Low-key Kamikaze is underrated. And I think it's an interesting idea because so many people shit on it when it came out that it actually probably might be underrated because I don't think people really gave it a chance. But it sounds like you didn't <laughs> give it a chance, really. <laughs> well, okay. Maybe I what? will go back and revisit Kamikaze. Why does the mainstream media hate Eminem so much? Don't even start with me, bro. <laughs> uh, Let me ask you one more, actually. Yeah. Because I went back, you know, when you asked me to come on the show to talk about it, I went and looked at his last major freestyle before this, before Kill Shot, which was the Trump thing for the BET Awards. Right. What did you think of that one? Because people generally received that one well. Yeah. Or is I, it just it, because he was going at Trump, I guess? Uh, yeah, but I mean, like, that's just essentially just a straw man at this point. I like I didn't I've I was bored by it to be honest. And that's not really to say that it's not technically proficient or doesn't tick all the boxes of what a good freestyle it ticks all the boxes of what a freestyle is. I mean, <laughs> but I but it's not something that moved me. It didn't change my day at all. Right. Right. I mean, it's kind of sad that the best Eminem freestyle of 2018 is still 
Chris Delia in his car. <laughs> you using way too many napkins. You using way too many napkins. That was the best Eminem freestyle of the year. It's crazy. Oh, man. <laughs> Uh, Donnie, thank you very much for joining me to talk about this 11-minute freestyle that you somehow made it all the way through. Thank you for having me. We did it in less than 11 minutes, I think. I know. (laughs) (laughs) You can either listen to us or listen to the freestyle. (laughs) Choose wisely. Millions of men across the globe suffer from textile dysfunction, leading to poor performance in their dress shirts. Thankfully, Mizzen and Maine has developed a cure. Their dress shirts are made with performance-driven fabrics that are designed to look great all day and require no ironing or dry cleaning. Mizzen and Maine dress shirts provide all-day comfort with built-in four-way stretch and moisture-wicking technology. These are the dress shirts of choice of many top professional athletes like J.J. Watt and Phil Mickelson. If Mizzen and Main can increase their performance, imagine what it can do for you. Head to MizzenandMain.com to find your cure and discover the longest-lasting, best look for men. Ask your doctor if your heart is healthy enough for looking the best you've ever looked in your life. If you experience your dress shirt looking great for longer than four hours, good job, you're wearing Mizzen and Main. Head to MizzenandMain.com for free shipping on orders of $100 or more. Mizzen and Maine, look great, longer. Who among us has not found themselves down a rabbit hole on YouTube? There's so much music to discover there. You can spend hours exploring new songs and artists, and now there's an app to make it all so much easier. YouTube Music is a brand new music streaming service combining everything you expect from a streaming service with the magic of YouTube to bring it all to life. YouTube Music makes it easy to find the music you're looking for. Official albums, singles, music videos, live performances, even covers and remixes. Don't know the song's name? Search by the lyrics. It's that easy. The YouTube Music app gives you recommendations based on taste, location, and time of day. You can easily find the music trending around you, no matter where you are. And with YouTube Music Premium, it gets even better. Get ad-free music that plays with the screen off or while other apps are open. Enjoy your music whenever you want it, even when you're offline. Download the new YouTube Music app today and start a free 30-day trial. Then enjoy music for just $9.99 per month. Terms and restrictions apply. YouTube Music, it's all here. Run, Ricky, run, run, nigga, run, jump, nigga, jump, come, here they come, run, 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 gun with the drum, bum, bitty, bum, slump in the trunk, my city go, dum, 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 151, rum in a blunt, young nigga, num, 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 and he got a little gun, a little bitty killer really doing it for fun, give him a little bitty, he get a nigga... DiCaprio 2 arriving on the back of an album trailer you should absolutely watch, and obviously the sequel to East Atlanta native Jid's 2015 mixtape DiCaprio is out in the world. A lot has happened for the extremely technically proficient rapper since. He gained critical goodwill with 2017's The Never Story, including right here on this website, and was or would have been, headed out on tour with the late Mac Miller. My guest, Rolling Stone staff writer Charles Holmes, spent some time with him and noticed how Jid, who was already pretty fast and brutal, got even faster and more brutal. Better, too. Charles, how you doing today, man? Oh, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, of course. Thank you for joining me. So let's just get right into it. I got a question about your profile. It opens with a scene where Jid is kind of like complaining about this producer he's working with and the sample he can't clear. Are you at liberty to say what sample he was trying to clear? I still, to this day, don't know what sample it was. It was basically like, I said in my piece, like I was sitting in this Airbnb, like it's really big, it's really nice. And it's just like his manager sitting there on the computer and he's 
like he's super nice, but he's also like you could tell he's like, yo, where is the sample? He's on the phone, he's typing emails. And then I go on vacation to Portland and I check Twitter and JID's just like goes ballistic on this unnamed producer. And I was just like, oh, I just witnessed that. Because right <laughs> after me, I think he had gone to Billboard and they were talking about how they're really like interested in doing all this press for it. And I was like, oh, I was at ground zero for you losing your shit over this producer. <laughs> the sample that stuck out most to me was the uh, Helen Merrill sample. Um, don't explain that was on Working Out. Shit, shit ain't really working out. Now I got a little bread. Got my niggas working out. Damn, baby, your ass fat. I can see you working out. Then you got a new job. Tell me how that shit working out. And that was only just because I'd previously heard it on uh, this song called Live from Chattanooga by this dude named YG Tut, who was, uh, you know, like associated with Isaiah Rashad. Anyway, I'm getting off track. Jid raps fast. <laughs> Um, very fast. Very fast. What's what separates his style of fast rapping from, say, uh, Eminem? I think um, going back in his discography, because I wasn't a fan at first, mm-hmm. listening to the first DiCaprio, um, it's very, very inspired by Kendrick Lamar, whether Jay will admit that or not. It's, that's what it sounds like. And I think instead of Eminem, who I think raps just to rhyme, on DiCaprio too, spitting fast, but there's meaning behind it. There's emotion behind it. I think he's gotten way better at beating up when he needs to and decelerating when he needs to, almost like James Harden um, playing basketball is how I would describe <laughs> his style of rapping. Yeah, I, it's it's definitely not just wheel spinning. Uh, say, for instance, on the record, Tide with... Uh, Black and uh, LMI. There's, I mean, the first verse he's telling the story about being fighting with his girl at the movies and like not being able to share the popcorn. And then like she gets all passive aggressive and starts tweeting about it. And it's like a very long and involved story and also very fast rapping, but very like dexterous rapping. Um, he has this way of like pulling things together and continuously pulling until at some point it just kind of snaps into place. Yeah, exactly. I think also, like, from doing the profile, it was interesting because he was very candid about being nervous. Because I think from the Never Story to this, it's just, it's a different type of storytelling. Um, I think he was, you know, nervous that his fans had almost put him in a box in a way where I think a lot of people were like, oh, he's just on J. Cole's label and he's kind of similar to the TDE artist and he's super lyrical miracle. And with the Caprio too, it's a lot of stunting. There's still great stories being told, but I think he just wanted to have fun as a rapper. And I think that's why um, new listeners, especially me, were kind of gravitated towards it. Cause I'm like, Oh, this reminds me of a Wayne mixtape in a way that the never story didn't. Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned J Cole and he was on one of the lead single lead singles off D's and it's just kind of like you know continuing his really great features run of 2018 and it's kind of difficult for anybody to look good rapping next to to Jid just because he's so good at it who raps best next to Jid on this album because there are a few features there's Method Man Joey Badass ASAP Ferg who looks best 
am. Because the funny thing is, like, yeah, I did not like the majority of the features. I just think he is, um, he's just so great alone. But I would say it would either have to be Black um, or uh, BJ the Chicago Kid isn't rapping. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think it's... It, <laughs> Yeah, for life, baby, I'm dressed for the war, baby, girl, I'm your soldier. But tripping like this, back and forth, wonder who gon' hold you. Everybody needs somebody to hold down. You also, yeah, BJ the Chicago Kid is singing on a song called Scrawberries, but you actually had a, a, an anecdote about that in your profile. Do you mind, like, just recounting that for the listeners? Yeah, absolutely. Um, basically, uh, Jay was supposed to go out on tour with Mac Miller, and I think I was the first person to interview him um, for DiCaprio 2 before the press run started. And he was very, very um, open, but you could tell raw still about Mac Miller's passing. Mac Miller had asked him to open up for him on his swimming tour. And at one point, he's like, yo, that was supposed to be three days from now. And we were discussing death and I've gone through death as well. And I talked to him about it. I'm like, it's crazy how you're thinking about a parallel life that you could have been living. He was like, my record would have been out already. If Matt was still alive, he touched every single song on this, helped me rearrange it. He was a real friend. We were going out to eat sushi. We were doing things that weren't your typical rapper shit. And I think it was it was interesting seeing a rapper so young kind of having to deal with death in the way that he did in front of a reporter. Um, and I was honored that he was open because a lot of rappers would have just clammed up, to be honest. Yeah, it definitely comes across that, you know, like he's a different person than he otherwise would have been. I mean, like the stuff about them texting about relationships and, you know, just random shit is really, I mean, like, kind of throws his performance at uh, the celebration of life in a sharp relief. It's really something else. Jizz also had, like, an interesting story. I mean, like, he's 28 now um, with this with this album out, and he's already been to Hampton University on a football scholarship, been kicked out, uh, put out a number of mixtapes. And this is kind of the first like real widespread attention that he's garnered, I guess. Rap is so broad and varied that someone like this with this kind of talent can get lost. But on Twitter, you mentioned that he kind of benefited from his release date. Yeah, I. Um, the funny thing is watching his team work. It was like a whirlwind. And they are very, very cognizant of where he stands in the hierarchy, um, just the people's attention. And I think what was so genius is is that, let's say DiCaprio 2 dropped last Friday, it would have been competing with Meek Mill, Earl Sweatshirt, Ski Mask the Slump God, Lil Baby, and I don't know if it would have gotten as many eyeballs. And even uh, just said on Twitter, um, he was kind of saying, like, first week sales are cool for the Coles, the K-Dots, the Drakes, and the Nickies, but that's not the game I'm playing right now. I need the, t- the attention I can garner. And I think he's very aware that for him, um, fan interactions on Twitter and Instagram, album announcements or reviews, those still matter for him. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, he's not going to have the number one album. It's projected he's going to chart at 41. 
which isn't bad, but like for your regular JIT fan, they don't honestly care where he's charting. That's not the point. Um, and I think that at least what I saw on my social media, what I saw on other websites is he got so much real estate because he wasn't competing and it's a great album. So it was just like, there would be a profile, then there'd be a Q and a, and then there would be a video. And then his fans would like tweet at Russell Westbrook to get, to get him to notice, uh, the song that's, um, that has on the album. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Cold Westbrook. So yeah. it's amazing to see how him just saying like, Hey, instead of dropping on Friday, I'm just going to drop on Monday and seeing how successful that was for him and his brand. So basically more rappers should release on Monday, right? Oh, I mean, you know, I think you probably know this. I think <laughs> yeah. that on fucking like on Friday, it's like who can have the hottest take. And it's like, you have to listen to all these albums. And like, to me, I remember when like that piss or live mixtapes were still a thing. And I don't remember when, Wayne dropped a mixtape, you know, mm -hmm. but I do remember that it would get attention because it's like, it's outside of the normal, like I, back then it was new music Tuesday. Now it's new music Friday. Like at the end of the day, like what did release was a mixtape. Um, what a lot of these rappers like ski mass this Friday or low baby, they released mixtapes and all anybody could talk about on Friday was Meek Mill and Jay-Z. And I think that if they were like, hey, like, we're just going to bite the bullet. We're not going to be a number one album. We're not competing with Travis Scott. We're not competing with Ariana Grande. We would have seen more fans reacting. Mm. I mean, I'll ask you this. Have you gotten to digest the new Lil Baby or Ski Mask in the same way you might have a Meek Mill or an Earl Sweatshirt? Oh, absolutely not. I mean, like, I, I have, like, two or three songs that... I stuck to after listening to them the first through the, the first two times through. And then I was just like, all right, I don't have time for this anymore. I need to figure out why everybody's upset at Jay-Z. <laughs> like it's, it's exactly. yeah. Yeah. I probably listened to the new Jay-Z verse 10 times more than I listened to anything that day. <laughs> <laughs> um, but let's, let's get back to the album just because I have two more questions for you. Um, yeah. One, and this one's kind of easy well, or, or difficult, depending upon... You know what? I'm just going to ask it. What is your favorite song on this, on this tape? Or what is the one that is going to be like in your rotation for the longest? Oh, man. I think it's probably a tie between 151 Rum and Off the Zoinkies, which is a horrible title, but a great song. Off the Zoinkies um, was... Honestly, I, like, I, that run from 151 to Working Out is my favorite run on the album. Uh. All right, J-I-D and uh, Y'all niggas need to lay off the drugs Some of y'all need to lay off the dope My niggas getting it straight off the boat Pure cut, put it straight to your nose I ain't nosy, but I know what I know Mr. Know-it-all, oh, here you go I'm the goat, I never go with the flow Throwing shots, boys, blow for a blow Oh, it, it's amazing, and it's so funny Because I was, like, talking to him, like, yo, 151 is great And he's like, oh, I hate that song Like, he's like, I just don't like it And I was just like the way he sequenced it, though, I'm like, I think it showed off what makes him such a compelling rapper, which is like, he's just so good at like speeding up and fitting so many bars, but also staying on beat and finding different pockets. Mm -hmm. And I think Off the Zoinkies is a perfect example of him doing that, but him also having a message that isn't too preachy at the same time. Mm -hmm. Well, I have one final question because at the end of uh, this 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 profile, uh, you. So, I mean, like, throughout, you make references to uh, Leonardo DiCaprio movies, and, and he makes references to them, and so does his manager. But 
you asked him if you if he thinks that the top kept spinning at the end of Inception. And he says that he yeah. thinks it keeps spinning. What do you think? Oh, fuck. Oh, man. <laughs> I, <laughs> I like, honestly, it's been so long since I've watched that movie, but I still think um, DiCaprio's dreaming. I'll yeah. be honest. Yeah, yeah. I, well, I mean, I'll, what do you think? I also think that the top keeps spinning. I will say as a kid, though, I wanted to believe that it was a happy ending, but I guess I'm jaded now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. At the, at the, it, when I first saw it, I was just like, mm, yeah, the top definitely falls over. But then I was just like, nah, you know, life is a little shit. So, <laughs> uh, Charles, thank you so much for joining me to talk about uh, Jids DiCaprio 2. Nah, thank you so much, man. Have a great day. All right, you too. The internet sustained its infatuation with English pop rock band The 1975 this week, two years removed from I Like When You Sleep, You Are Beautiful, yet so unaware of it. They put out another album with a really long title that Lindsay Zolaz described on TheRinger.com as the perfect album for this moment. A brief inquiry into online relationships is mortifying, surprising, confounding, and just broadly speaking, a lot. What I'd like to know from my colleague Justin Sales, who edited our exit survey on the album, is, is it good? It is. (laughs) I don't know if it's as good as everyone is saying, Mm -hmm. but it is good. Um, Broadly speaking, yeah, I and mean, like they they try a lot of different things on here. There's a there's a neo jazz record. There's a traditional jazz record. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a trap song on it. There's I want to talk about all those. I mean, it's 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 absolutely it's just much more muchier than a, than their 2016 album. Absolutely. But another thing that pervades the album is this uncertainty, the feeling of uncertainty, like uncertainty as an aesthetic, basically. Did they nail it or did they not nail it? Should they have played with structure that much? What do you think? So when when you say uncertainty, do you mean like the overall theme or do you mean the... I mean the overall theme. Okay. Because there's the uncertainty of you don't know, you literally don't know what's going to come next sonically. Exactly. Because there's a deep into it, there's just two Michael Buble ballads. Right. Like it's, I, I don't really, it's... Right, and in the in at the front end, there's an, basically an Ed Sheeran pop song. Yeah, it's it's all over the place. It's really all over the and place. And somehow, but somehow, with it being all over the place, is still sort of cohesive. Right, it it is. Um, it took a few days for it to click for me to, as being as cohesive as I think it is now. Mm-hmm. But um, in terms of like the overarching theme, I think they really nailed it on um, "Love It If We Made It." like that more than anything is that's a perfect thesis statement for the album that's 
the moment you can point to saying like this works perfectly. Yeah, it comes 14 minutes in the album. The first line is we're fucking in a car shooting heroin. <laughs> right. <laughs> um I don't think it's quite I've seen a few places like NME described it as the millennial okay computer and it's it's not that. Yeah. I don't think it's that. Okay. I mean like so I like just to to drive that point home if you had to choose between there's a there's a Siri narrated mm-hmm. interlude on this album called The Man Who Married a Robot. And right. it's literally about that thing. You know, you you've you know what it is by me telling you that. But like if you had to choose between the man who married a robot or fit or happier. I don't know if nineteen seventy five was asking to be directly compared to OK Computer with this album. Sure. But it's impossible to not kind of get that. I think both of those interludes can kind of speak to those albums. Um like fitter happier was this really like paranoid um not to to paraphrase uh tricky it was just had this pre-millennium tension to it mm-hmm. um and that kind of fit in with the album and the time of okay computer mm-hmm. um this uh, um the what is it the man who married the robot is that the is that the full name of it yeah it's just so many words in all these titles that i have to <laughs> i have to stop and think sometimes um <laughs> I didn't, like, with Fitter Happier, that really felt like this is a dystopian world that we're heading into if we're not already there. Mm -hmm. Um, With The Man Who Married a Robot. This is this warp reality that we're living in. Yeah, but I kind of felt like they gave their fans enough cool distance from it by putting, they put the name Snowflake Smasher 86 on the guy. Yeah. (laughs) So when I listen to that, like, I immediately, I don't think, like, that's me living through this time. I'm instantly, like, I'm able to be like, oh. That's, you know, it's a red pill mega hack. Guy. You know, like, I don't, I don't, that's not me. But I'm, I know Healy in interviews has said that this is supposed to, that he kind of relates to that character too. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, it just seems like that he has a cool distance from it. But yeah, everything in this album feels like purposefully decontextualized. Um, and, not necessarily this is one way or the other. This is just things as they are. Deal with it. Everything is happening so much all the time. Um, but what's the most compelling song on the album for you? I think it has to be Love It If We Made It. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's just such a great pop song. It's like, it's just, but of this moment too. I mean, some of the lines were literally ripped out of headlines or tweets by the president. Um, it was... It's really just a perfect song. Um, but there's like some really interesting moments on there too outside of that song. Um, Sincerity is scary. Why can't we be friends when we I mean that sounds like a Soul Quarians um, voodoo B-side to me. Like, it it sounds like that also but more towards the end of the spectrum of a song that belonged on like surf or like a okay or say a francis and the light song i was thinking kind of like a like finding forever common uh okay okay yeah i i mean like it's definitely sincerity is scary i think and it was uh gia tolentino staff writer at the new yorker that kind of drew like drove this home for me is just like the reason that i like that song so much is because it owns me so completely <laughs> okay yeah that's a it's a great song um yeah. i like uh i really like it's not it's not what is it? it's not living if it's not with you yeah that's yeah. that's a great song that is it's a funny song because i mean it sounds like it could have 
that could have been the sound soundtrack to the Black Mirror San Junipero episode. Like that, <laughs> that could have just been the song the entire time. Yeah. But it's about him in rehab. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. It's, it's an interesting song where there's like bright music that kind of belies what's actually going on. For those of you that don't know, the lead singer, the front man, Maddie Healy, was an addict mm-hmm. um, is, or is a recovering addict. Which he blamed on America, first of all, which... <laughs> I don't know what to, you know, fair enough, you know, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. fair enough. Yeah. Um, you, a, a question that you put on the exit survey and I've wanted to know your answer for this is that, is there anything on the album that doesn't work for you? I really don't like mine. Looking back on 2009 People said that it was raining all the time and I admire the attempt, but you know, he said that it was the trad jazz record. The, yes. Yeah. Oh man, it just it like he said that it was inspired by Coltrane, but to me, it sounds inspired by Jamie Cullum. <laughs> <laughs> like it's just it just uh. doesn't work for me. I really admire the attempt, but I just I it's it's not there for me. But I think all the other experiments. They kind of work. Um, yeah. The, well, largely, they the, the things that they try do come off. Yeah. Um, even the, um, the the aforementioned trap record, I Like America and It Likes Me. I still think should have been a trippy red song, but you know that was a good comparison. To me, it sounded like um, Justin Vernon recording scratch vocals. For, yeah, that uh, for was Life of Pablo or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, with booming drums underneath it. The, right. But to your point, there are a lot of experiments on this album. There are a lot of attempts made at a bunch of different things. They're shooting at a bunch of different baskets. This is also the first of two albums planned for a six month period. What? And I'm aware this isn't even remotely predictable, but what do you expect from the second? Well, for starters, do you think that they can actually do that? I don't think that they can. I don't think they can. Like a band at this level, can they turn another out? Well, listen. Well, no. Actually, you can't compare anybody to Future. He put out two number one albums back-to-back weeks, but those were recorded together. They were recorded together. Yeah. This is, I I don't know. I I don't think that they can, but suppose that they could. Suppose they could. So in in the in this wor- future world where Siri narrates everything and they and they put out two records. Exactly. And, okay. Um well he hinted that it's going to have more of that um do we say garage or garage on this podcast? Garage. Garage. Okay. Yeah. Just we sure. we are pretentious on this podcast. Okay. <laughs> um he said that it's that that song, the the garage um, homage, mm-hmm. um, Percolator, I think is the name of it. Petrichor. Petrichor. Um, not so good with album titles these days. <laughs> Streaming has ruined that for me. Um, he said that's going to inform the that style is going to inform the next record. Yeah. Um, for for those of you that haven't heard it, Petrichor sounds like a subtrack record almost. It's just very glitchy and it works really well. I felt like it was. It was kind of one of the first oh shit moments on the album for me because it mm-hmm. felt like I was in a wind tunnel with no goggles on. <laughs> that's that's a perfect um, that's a perfect way to describe it. Yeah, and it came right after like the poppiest song on the record too. Yeah, yeah. So, which that, I'm not sure if that song necessarily works for me. It sounds give yourself a try. Yeah. No. Um, oh, two time, two time, two time. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not sure that that song necessarily works for me. The Afrobeats record. Yeah. It just it sounds like. Um, 
it, it sounds like when Drake got decided he wanted to be a like a global artist <laughs> and without without quite the same results. Mm. Okay, okay. Well, so we're looking forward to more subtrack records and possibly to your chagrin some more Afrobeats records. Yeah. If he makes good on his word, I think that will be a more interesting record. I just don't see it happening. I just don't see them coming out six months later with, you know, I don't know. Like, they're not going to sound like Burial on the next record. <laughs> <laughs> well, when it does happen, mm-hmm. we're going to meet back here in six months to talk about it. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> I appreciate you, Justin. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Of course. That's it. That's all we got for y'all. Thank you so much for listening. Special thanks to Donnie Kwok, Justin Sales, and Charles Holmes for joining this week. Shout out my producer, Bobby Wagner. Don't forget to check out our playlist that we will be updating every week with the songs we're listening to. A link to that is in the description. Also, please rate and subscribe if you like the show. We'd really appreciate it. Peace. See you next week. Peace.